There's no place in America quite like the San Joaquin Valley. The combination of the Mediterranean climate, technology, and grower acumen, it's unparalleled. But that does not mean farming is easy. In fact, in many ways, it's harder than ever. We're about to visit with an important person who's helping keep farmers in this region productive. Welcome to Redox Grows, an in-depth look at key issues affecting agriculture and the people who make it all happen. I'm your host, Jim Morris, with Redox Bionutrients in Burley, Idaho. I'm in Carruthers, Fresno County today, and Fresno County is just an amazing place. More than 170 ag commodities are grown here, nearly 2 million acres in production, a gross value of more than $8 billion a year. Happy cows and dancing raisins are only the beginning. Button Willow Warehouse Company is a family-owned business that has helped growers for more than 50 years. I'm visiting with Greg Schmidt, Button Willow Crop Consultant. Thanks for your time today, Greg. No problem. Greg has a Bachelor of Business Administration from Fresno State, and he's worked in food and agriculture for more than a decade. And Button Willow Warehouse Company is a key partner and ag retailer with Redox. I love the mission statement on the website. Since the start, our goal has been to help farmers grow the safest and most sustainable food in the world. Greg, tell me a little bit about what your job entails. Well, for starters, my job is to make sure that our growers are happy, they're productive, and we can keep them producing food for the rest of the community. And that helps a lot of different sectors, not only the growers, but also as a consumer. I appreciate your efforts there. And the San Joaquin Valley is truly a one-of-a-kind place. What are some of the factors that make this such a vital part for food and agriculture? I think it just has to do more with climate, uh, soil conditions, and the arid environment that allows for more crops to be grown here than other environments. Anyone in agriculture knows it is not the easiest profession, even when things are going great. What are some of the challenges that growers frequently deal with? Budget for one, then climate, especially with this year, with the amount of rain that we had. Uh, some areas got over 32 inches, which is close to two and a half to three times more than we've normally experienced. Then you have the extreme heats paired with the cold it can be very difficult to grow a crop when you have many different variables thrown at you. And that's where people like you can really help the growers. Let's talk about that wet winter and the slow to develop spring. It's just starting to get warm now as we're at mid spring. The Central Valley Project will be delivering a 100% water supply to growers in this area. I spent more than 30 years working in California ag, and I was wondering if that day would ever happen again. How does it feel that there is a full irrigation supply? What does it mean to growers? Let's talk about the positives before we get into some of the challenges. Well, the positives is we have water. That's number one. A lot of guys were following out land. They were pulling out land, but now they might be able to preserve their family heritage and keep farming on the pieces of ground that their great-grandfathers established. Water helps mitigate salt issues, and that's something that a lot of growers have been pulling. Lots of sodium from their wells, and now a lot of that hopefully has been leached out by the immense amount of water that we've received. There is another 
part of that story. It's certainly largely positive, but with all of that wet weather and then the delay in getting traditional spring weather, what are some of the effects that you're seeing with the growers that you're working with? Uptake in nutrition has been delayed, thus delaying the actual crop maturity. We've also are looking that we're going to deal with more pest pressure, uh, higher phytophthora issues in the soil because the ground is still wet as of today. There's more fungicides that are being sprayed and the growers and the crop consultants have to figure out how to grow the crop on a budget that is incorporating more fungicides or more chemicals than they may be used to having to use in the past. It's an interesting dynamic, and I want to get more into where we are specifically and some of the items used here to make sure that this crop is at its best. But why don't we talk broadly about what this industry is going through? It's a very interesting time. Uh, Inputs are expensive. Prices fluctuate. There's a lot of international unrest that affects all of us in a variety of ways. The Russia-Ukraine war cannot be discounted. So growers really need to be laser-focused on their purchases. It's a challenging time for our economy. Growers are not immune to that. So what kind of conversations are you having with growers who need to get in the fields and be pretty active with them, but, you know, money's a little tight? So I think for starters... COVID is still affecting the ag industry. We still have an abundant supply of fruit and nuts that are in storage that have not been shipped overseas, and that's grower money. So the growers are still waiting to be paid. And with the economy, with the inflation being what it is, they don't have the money to put the inputs into the crop. And so to your point, the growers having to be laser-focused is very factual. They need to be able to put something on their crop that is going to be effective and as quickly as possible. They don't need to put on materials that could be less effective. Uh, They may be cheaper, but they take longer to get a result. And unfortunately, in the times we're in, we need results quicker than ever before. I find it fascinating you mentioned COVID. For many people, it's probably off of the daily concern list. I know there's certainly some exceptions, but here we are talking about a very vital industry, agriculture, and it's still something where there are a lot of effects and may continue for a long time to come. When we look at inputs for farmers, I'd like to first start with how extensive of the product line and the technology do you work with? I use pretty much the full line of redox from organic to conventional. The favorites for myself, I guess you could say, are the Mainstay Calcium, the Dicap, and the H85. But Rutex is catching up very quickly. Let's talk about Rutex as a starter. How does that help? As everybody knows, I mean, we're driving roots. We need to grow roots to have a healthy plant. The more roots you have, the more nutrition you have the opportunity to pick up. If you don't have roots, well, you don't have a canopy or a top. And the roots, I like to tell my growers, are kind of the highways. And the Rutex is the the gasoline that's fueling the trucks that are supplying the nutrients to the, to the plants. The other products you mentioned and others help with abiotic stress. And that would be 
a pretty big factor, I suspect, this year because the weather is gyrating. There's a lot of stress on the plants. How important is fighting abiotic stress? Extremely important. It's one of those things that if you can keep the crop active or photosynthetic activity ramped up in the plant, you're going to have less stress overall in your plant, thus leading you into a more productive crop, whatever it is you're growing. Practically speaking, it makes sense to treat your plants, all of your crops as well as you can. Budgets are tight, and that probably leads to some pretty interesting conversations about perhaps a grower may say, I can quote-unquote spend less uh, than buying, for example, redox. How do you handle that kind of dialogue? It's all about the conversation, the relationship with you have, that you have with your grower. You need to show them the value of something like a redox product. Show them how effective it works, how quickly it can work, and you know the proven results that you've had with it. But that being said, when times are tight, they want to rely on buying the cheaper product, which in essence makes sense financially but you're actually not doing any good for your crop because you're probably not getting enough units into your crop or effective nutrition into your crop in a timely manner and that's where redox really has come into play with my growers they have come to learn that yes the products may have a higher sticker price but you're using less material than you'd have to use for example, Rutex, you might be able to get away with 96 ounces on the season for your phosphorus demand versus needing 20, 30 gallons of 1034.0 to get the same thing. And then you pencil out the math, and ironically enough, the Rutex applications ends up costing less than the 1034.0 that they initially thought was less money. When you have those conversations with a new grower, I imagine it's pretty mind-boggling for them to wrap their arms around the fact that it's such a minute amount that can be more effective. It's still hard for me to believe that ounces of any material can be effective on a per-acre basis. So I understand what the grower's going through when we're used to, as an industry, applying gallons upon gallons of material breaking that back to a pint, 16 ounces, 8 ounces, 24 ounces, whatever it may be in an application and seeing a result. Well, growers are very tech savvy, and I imagine it's just a matter of time before that great message continues to get out and more people are adopting the Redox technology. Speaking of that, with your return customers and when you have orchards, things of that nature, do you see any improvement year to year if someone is on Redox for a multiple year span? I think you can, and I have, but I think it comes down to the agronomic application of the materials and what you're doing and when you're applying them. If you're applying at the wrong timings, you may not see the benefit of some of the products, and I think that goes across industry-wide. If you're applying it at the wrong time, you might not see the right result. But growers that are on a redox program, as you stated, will over time start to see the benefits of the material applied because of the efficiency of the material getting into the crop. Let's talk about where we are right now. Carruthers, very well known for raisin grapes. 
we're looking at blueberries, and I believe you mentioned that there were well over a dozen varieties planted in a very small area. They're, they're small plants, but they're loaded with fruit. Tell me more about what we're seeing right now and how Redox fits into all of it. This is a 20-acre block of organic blueberries, and the grower couldn't make up their mind on what varieties they really wanted to plant. And they had a lot of different people telling them what varieties they should add to it. They wanted to try and differentiate a little bit from the market um, to have a variety of blueberry that they could sell and market. And then with the, the main varieties. But you mentioned the plants are small. Well, these plants were planted last summer. And so they're not even a year old. And I think with the amount of fruit that's on here, it goes to show you that the Redox products work. And it's showing the growers that their investment in Redox and Button Willow is worth the time and money. I'll back you up on that. There is an amazing amount of fruit, a lot of bunches. It's really great to see. Boy, I learned something seeing a pink lemonade variety blueberry. I will certainly be looking for that in the future. And they are loaded with antioxidants and just a wonderful fruit. Which Redox products are being used out here? They are running the full Redox profile. Uh, With the amount of rain that we had this year, I really tried to incorporate the mainstay SI for a little bit of abiotic stress, pressure, uh, remediation. And we're using the mainstay calcium in the soil because roots are the best way to pick up calcium versus foliar, in my opinion. And they're using the Triplex Micro for their full uh, micronutrient profile that they're needing. And they are also getting uh, a steady dose of H85 to help with holding capacity in the ground because we're on extremely light ground. CEC of about one to two. And... The nice thing about the H85 is I'm getting a little bit of a K-bump out of it as well. This is an organic field. How different is that from a conventional field in your philosophy and working with the grower and some of the solutions that you come up with? So organics, as most people know, is an entirely different beast um, or a different mindset. You have to be more conscious of what you're applying to try and make that plant as healthy as possible to potentially fight off as much pest pressure as possible because you just don't have the tools in the bag like you do a conventional field to take care of the pest pressure, such as thrips or, you know, some sort of chewing pest, mites. So you you have to be more on top of your nutrition and create a healthier plant so that the grower doesn't have to rely as much on chemical, even though there are organic chemicals, We all know that they don't last very long or work as well as a conventional product can or will. I imagine there'll be a lot of scrutiny here. You'll be keeping your eyes close on it because of the wild start to this year. And I'm sure the temperatures are going to rise significantly, which will probably add more stress. Correct. I'll be be definitely keeping an eye on that. But again, I want to get my photosynthetic activity to keep stay ramped up and increase calcium levels in the tissue to create a thicker cuticle wall to hopefully mitigate some of the pest pressure and heat stress. This is a job, of course, but I think for a lot of people in agriculture, it goes well beyond that. 
when you see successes and this looks like that this farm's really going to take off as these blueberry bushes keep getting taller and taller and more and more productive, how does it make you feel inside when you see these successes? It actually makes you feel really good. Kind of like you know what you're doing, it's your job. But let's be honest, a lot of that is owed to, you know, the almighty upstairs. Without him, I don't think any of this is possible. But at the same time, there's a lot of hard work that goes into making sure that these bushes can keep producing year after year. I also want to get into some Valley pride, if you don't mind. So you're a Fresno State graduate, and they have a V on the back of their football helmets in green to signify the Valley and to signify agriculture. I think that's one of many ways you can see a tremendous amount of pride in food production here. Tell me about your level of pride. You're living, you're working, you're enjoying the fruits of all this labor too. So what does all of that mean to you inside? Being able to know that you are helping contribute food nationwide and even worldwide, depending on the crops that you're dealing with, and that so many of those come from the valley. It's a pleasure driving up and down the road, seeing the fruits of everybody's labor going, going out and providing nutrition to to the community and there's no place like the valley it's hot it's cold some call it a dust bowl some call it ugly but without it we'd we'd all be struggling to get some good fruit well i sure appreciate your hard work and i love to visit the valley this is just a great day to be able to see all of this thanks so much for your time greg thank you And that will wrap up this episode. You can go to bwcag.com to find out more about Button Willow and redoxgrows.com for more information on our company. You can also email us at podcast at redoxgrows.com if you have questions, comments, and story ideas. Thanks for listening. 